0: On the morning of March 12, 1938, Adolf Hitler's army marched into Vienna unopposed, cheering Austrians lined the streets to welcome their new dictator. They believed the rise of the Nazi regime signaled a reunification of all Germans and the birth of a vast Aryan Empire.
1: That evening, Viennese officials arranged a welcome dinner and a grand tour for their new Fuhrer, but Hitler wasn't in the mood to celebrate. Instead, he withdrew to his suite at the Hotel Imperial, where he paced the ornate floors, watching the clock slowly approach midnight.
0: At precisely 12 a.m., there was a soft rap on his door. The head of the SS... Heinrich Himmler, was standing in the hallway. In addition to being in charge of Hitler's paramilitary forces, Himmler was also an occult practitioner, a fact that endeared him to the superstitious Fuhrer.
1: The men traveled under the cover of night to the imperial treasure house in the city center. There, guarded by Nazis and encased in glass, sat the sole reason Hitler had invaded Austria— the spear of destiny.
0: Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a ParCast original. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are
1: open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the
0: truth. But sometimes it's not.
1: You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Conspiracy Theories for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Conspiracy Theories
0: in the search bar. This is our second and final episode on the Spear of Destiny, also known as the Holy Lance. Today, the spear resides in the Imperial Treasure House Museum in Vienna. But for thousands of years prior, it may have belonged to some of the most powerful rulers in history, including Adolf Hitler. Previously,
1: we told the spear's official story how European leaders dating back to the Roman Emperor Constantine believed that the spear pierced the side of Jesus Christ during his crucifixion. As such, they believed the spear contained powerful magic.
0: On this episode, we'll explore three of the biggest conspiracy theories surrounding this supposedly holy weapon.
1: Conspiracy theory number one. The Spear of Destiny is an object of the occult and gives its bearer incredible power.
0: Conspiracy theory number two. Adolf Hitler invaded Austria for the sole purpose of acquiring the spear. He believed its power would make the Third Reich unstoppable.
1: And, conspiracy theory number three, the spear of destiny is genuine. Not only did it pierce Jesus on the cross, it was actually owned by powerful European rulers from Constantine to Hitler.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com. with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel
2: slash conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
1: Officially, the Spear of Destiny has been part of the Holy Roman Empire's crown jewels since at least the 10th century CE. But many claim that the spear is more than just ceremonial jewelry.
0: Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. The spear is an object of the occult and gives its bearer incredible power, though at a heavy price.
1: This sounds far-fetched, but people have claimed there's magic associated with the spear for nearly 2,000 years.
0: According to legend, this spear was first owned by a Roman soldier with poor eyesight named Longinus. He was the centurion who pierced Jesus Christ in the year 33 CE, signifying that the so-called king of the Jews was dead.
1: As his spear pierced his side, blood and water poured from the wound and splashed into Longinus's eyes, restoring his sight. Longinus believed Jesus Christ was truly the Messiah. Eventually, he converted to Christianity.
0: Having touched the blood of Jesus, the spear became an artifact of legend and was said to perform miracles.
1: Longinus spent the rest of his life traveling with the spear. And apparently, word of the spear's magic traveled with him. After Longinus's death, a long line of powerful world leaders claimed the weapon as their own.
0: As we covered last episode, many of these leaders changed the course of history. Roman Emperor Constantine the Great believed the spear helped him win the Battle of the Milvian Bridge in 312 CE. Hundreds of years later, Otto I used it to defeat a seemingly unstoppable horde of Hungarian marauders in 955 CE.
1: When medieval chronicler Liudprand of Cremona wrote about the spear in the 10th century, he claimed that it would lead the owner to great victories. Whoever wielded its power would change the world.
0: But there were other stories, too. Tales of a Curse that any man who lost the spear would meet swift death. In 936 CE, the King of Burgundy, Rudolf II, gave up the spear in exchange for vast wealth and land. He died within the year. In 1945, just after the end of World War II, American General George Patton died after returning the spear to the Austrian capital of Vienna.
1: Perhaps the most fascinating of these cases was of the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick I, better known by his nickname Barbarossa.
0: On May 29, 1176 CE, 54 year old Emperor Barbarossa led an army of 3,000 soldiers to invade the northern Italian region of Lombardy. He hoped to add this territory to his empire. But Lombardy's
1: various city-states didn't want to join the Holy Roman Empire. They raised nearly 15,000 soldiers to stop Barbarossa. Shortly after he entered their lands, the Lombards ambushed Barbarossa's forces outside of Milan at the Battle of Legnano.
0: A Catholic cardinal named Boso traveled with the Lombard army and wrote about the battle. According to Bosso, Barbarossa didn't seem to realize he was outnumbered nearly five to one. Largely
1: because the Lombards had set a trap to lure Barbarossa into open warfare. 700 scouts were sent ahead to give the appearance of a sparse enemy.
0: Believing this was the entire Lombard army, Barbarossa sent his 3,000 troops to waste the scouts. Initially, it seemed like he was in for an easy victory
1: until the rest of the army showed up. The blood likely drained from Barbarossa's face as he saw 12,000 Lombard soldiers appear on the horizon. He ordered his men to retreat,
0: but it was too late. The Lombards swooped in and surrounded Barbarossa. Barbarossa's knights watched in horror as he was thrown from his horse and disappeared into the fray
1: barbarossa tried to defend himself but it was no use the lombards closed in stabbing him with their lances barbarossa's knights knew that even if he survived the stabbing he'd certainly be trampled by the horses they left him for dead
0: as barbarossa's men fled the battlefield they hoped to recover their king and his mythical spear but his body was nowhere to be found Perhaps the Lombards had taken Barbarossa and the Spear as trophies.
1: Barbarossa's shattered armies spent the next few days in retreat, headed toward their territory up north. One night, as they sat huddled by small campfires, a scout heard rustling in the woods.
0: At first, he was convinced he'd seen a ghost walking into camp.
1: But it was Barbarossa in the flesh, somehow completely unharmed he'd lost his helmet and armor but the spear of destiny was still clenched in his fist word of barbarossa's miraculous survival only added to the holy lance's legend and years later he made another contribution to the spear of destiny's lore in
0: 1189 ce at the age of 67 barbarossa left on a holy crusade Spear in hand, he traveled all the way from Germany to the Middle East. Along the way, he tried to cross the Salaf River in present-day Turkey.
1: According to contemporary accounts, something surprised Barbarossa as he forded the river on foot and he dropped the
0: spear. He lunged for it, but the spear had slipped beneath the surface. At once, the current picked up speed. As he frantically searched for the spear, he was dragged downstream and swept away, drowning in minutes. As the legend foretold, he met a grisly end the moment he lost the spear.
1: But that's all there was, legend. Stories of the spear's powers were based on folklore, mostly from medieval chroniclers who lived in a time of extreme superstition. Quasi-historians like Liutprand of Cremona used myth as a basis for much of his writings on Otto I's ownership of the spear. Cambridge University scholar Charles Prevett Orton describes Liutprand's so-called historical accounts as rumors devoid of probability.
0: Fortunately, we don't have to rely on medieval sources for proof of the spear's curse. And we only need to look back to the end of World War II. U.S. General George Patton led the American forces who took the spear from Germany after the invasion of Berlin. He held onto the spear for a few months before returning it to Vienna in late 1945. A few months later, he died from injuries sustained in a car accident.
1: Which is strange, but the rules seem pretty inconsistent. Barbarossa died the moment he dropped the spear. Conversely... Patton eked out a few extra months before meeting his untimely
0: end. Well, there's another explanation for that. It's possible that while the spear itself isn't technically magic, it may have had a placebo effect on its owners. If they thought the spear was magic, maybe that was enough to make it so.
1: There's a lot of compelling research on the psychological value of lucky objects, in 2010, psychologist Lisa Ann Damish conducted a study on the power of self-efficacy. She gathered 28 volunteers, 80% of whom already believed in luck, and asked them to putt a golf ball into a hole a short distance away.
0: It wasn't the easiest shot, but it should have been doable for most participants. However, skill wasn't necessarily a factor. Before beginning... Damish told half of the volunteers that the ball they were using was proved to be lucky.
1: The results were striking. Participants who believed they were playing with a lucky ball made the shot about 35% more often than the control group.
0: Curious, Dr. Damish performed three more experiments. In the first, she told half her subjects that she was crossing her fingers for them before they performed their task— in the two following exercises, participants were asked to bring in their own lucky charms, with only half of them allowed to keep the charm for the experiment. Across every one of Dr.
1: Domish's tests, the so-called lucky participants performed much better than the other volunteers. The mere belief that something was lucky seemed to be enough to make it actually become lucky
0: which could explain how some of the spear's owners perform such superhuman feats. And
1: potentially explain why they met such untimely deaths. If Barbarossa thought the spear made him invincible, losing the source of said power could have sent him into panic mode. From there, a small stumble might have been all it took to carry him out to his watery death.
0: Of course, it's possible the spear truly is magic. After all, there's got to be a reason that believers have sought out the Spear of Destiny for nearly 2,000 years.
1: But no one ever actually saw the spear do anything magical on its own. Emperors may have claimed it helped them defeat massive armies and cheat certain death, but the placebo effect
0: could explain much of that. Therein perhaps lies the real question. What makes something magic? Is magic a powerful outside force or the belief in something greater than yourself?
1: If it's the latter, then maybe the spear really did have some kind of otherworldly power.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, with the 10 being the most believable and 1 being the least, we're giving this theory a 4 out of 10. In truth, it probably wasn't inherently magic, though it's impossible to prove otherwise. But
1: sometimes the human mind can perform miracles on its own, and the spear
0: was certainly a conduit. Which kept many people believing in its powers, including Adolf Hitler. It's believed he invaded Austria for the sole purpose of retrieving the Spear of Destiny, then used it to destroy the world. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X
2: dot com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
1: Now, back to the story.
0: For nearly 2,000 years, people have believed that the spear of destiny holds magic power. However... Modern-day studies suggest that much of this lore was likely the result of a placebo effect.
1: But science and reason were never known to deter Adolf Hitler. Not only is he rumored to have believed in the spear of destiny, many claim it is the sole reason he invaded Austria on March 12, 1938. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. Hitler invaded Austria to steal the Holy Lance.
0: In his book, The Spear of Destiny, historian Trevor Ravenscroft argues that Adolf Hitler was obsessed with the spear. According to Ravenscroft, it was the linchpin in Hitler's occult machinations to take over the world.
1: Ravenscroft based his work on old interviews with Dr. Walter Stein, an expert in holy relics who got to know Hitler through their shared interest in the occult. According to Stein, Hitler became obsessed with the Spear of Destiny decades before rising to power.
0: In Ravencroft's retelling, 19-year-old Hitler went to the Imperial Treasure House in Vienna sometime around 1908 or 1909 as part of a museum tour. He'd been to the treasure house before, but
1: that day he gravitated toward an exhibit he'd previously ignored, The Spear of Destiny.
0: The spear's reputation was well known to students of German history at the time, but most considered its power to be the stuff of legend. However, Hitler was never one to follow the crowd. Teenage Hitler was enraptured by the spear. He later
1: said, quote, a window in the future was opened up to me, through which I saw a future event by which I knew beyond contradiction that the blood in my veins would one day become the vessel of the folk spirit of my people, end quote.
0: In other words, it was a convoluted way of saying he really liked that spear.
1: The spear was like catnip for Hitler, a narcissistic German nationalist with a penchant for the occult. It was German, magical, and could give someone like him unlimited power. He became fixated on it and began actively studying the
0: occult. History professor Eric Kurlander drove that point home in his book, Hitler's Monsters, A Supernatural History of the Third Reich. According to the book, in 1909, Hitler read that the German people were descended from a lost civilization of witches. A few
1: slapdash conclusions later, Hitler had a new theory that connected the ancient witches, the holy lance, and him. Clearly, the spear was his destiny, but it was locked away in the Austrian imperial treasury.
0: Hitler knew that if he was going to harness its power, he'd have to do something drastic.
1: According to historian Trevor Ravenscroft, Hitler left Vienna in 1913 at the age of 24. From there, he traveled across Europe searching for anyone with information about the Spear. He even paid a visit to the family of the composer Richard Wagner, whose opera Parsifal was loosely based on the legend of the Spear. Regrettably, the Wagners didn't really know what he was talking
0: about. Despite this setback, Hitler's obsession with the occult continued. Ravenscroft wrote that when Hitler finally came to power in 1933, he established the Occult Bureau in his government, led by a man named Wolfram von Sievers. This hasn't been historically proven, even if it is squarely on brand.
1: After all, high-ranking Nazis like Heinrich Himmler were known to believe in magic like reincarnation,
0: ancient German giants, and demons. Himmler was so passionate about occultism that in 1934, he took over Castle Wiebelsburg in northeast Germany to study mythical folklore. He claimed he wanted his SS officers to be like modern knights of the Holy Grail, figures from medieval legend who hunted for holy relics in order to help the Nazi war effort.
1: These SS officers researched the mystical history of the German race, studied witchcraft, and gathered totems of dead German warriors. They tried to make the Nazis powerful enough to take over the
0: world. And no one was higher on those fumes than Hitler. He was certain that global domination was his birthright and decided it was time to seize the only weapon that could help him do it. He would take over Austria and obtain the Spear of Destiny. In
1: 1934, less than a year after coming to power in Germany, Hitler ordered the Austrian Nazi Party to stage a coup on July 25, 1934.
0: That day, 10 members of an elite Austrian Nazi group broke into Vienna's parliament building and murdered Chancellor Engelbert Dollfuss.
1: Unfortunately, they hadn't thought to overtake the Royal
0: Guards. The traitors were swiftly arrested, and Viennese police put down any signs of uprising around the city. Hitler had been bested.
1: But he was far from deterred. Instead, he decided to play the long game. Over the next four years, he funneled resources to the Austrian Nazi party, which was actively working to destabilize the government.
0: In this regard, Hitler had several things going for him. To begin with, Austria was an incredibly poor country, suffering from the same economic toils as Germany in the wake of World War I.
1: Second, anti-Semitism was even more deeply rooted in Austria than it was in Germany, Proof that blaming other people for your problems never goes out of fashion.
0: Third, many Austrians longed for Germany and Austria to once again be a single country, thereby unifying all German peoples. They believed that much of their current suffering had been caused by the pact that ended World War I. Known as the Treaty of Versailles, it strictly forbade the formation of a German-Austrian empire. But that hardly mattered to Hitler.
1: By March of 1938, Nazi street gangs acted as agents of Hitler's chaos on the ground. The Austrian government was unable to control these gangs, and frankly, a lot of Austrians didn't want
0: them to. They saw their government as ineffective enablers. They blamed the Jewish people for anything and everything. The smell of a coup d'etat hung thick in the air.
1: It was the moment Hitler had been waiting for. On March 12, 1938, German troops crossed the southwest border and invaded Austria. According to Trevor Ravenscroft, the Austrian president called for police to guard all the important government buildings, including the palace that contained the imperial treasury and the Spear of Destiny.
0: But when police showed up outside the treasury, They found Hitler's occult chief Wolfram von Sievers and a group of heavily armed Austrian Nazis awaiting them. The police ordered the Nazis to leave. But von Sievers didn't budge. His Nazis raised their weapons.
1: The police were outnumbered and didn't want to risk bloodshed. They cleared out, leaving the Nazis in control of the treasury and by extension, the Spear of Destiny.
0: That night, Hitler and a few of his select officers, including Himmler, made their way to the treasury.
1: Von Sievers and the Nazi guards let Hitler go in alone.
0: Like Hercules returning to the Temple of Zeus, Hitler strode toward the spear, glittering in its glass case. He cradled the object of his passion, unknowingly sealing his fate. The
1: Nazis looted the treasury and took their spoils back to Germany, hiding them beneath the Nuremberg Castle in Bavaria. But even though his beloved spear was tucked away in a basement, Hitler could feel its magic coursing
0: through his veins. Within three years of taking the spear, he conquered Poland, France, and most of Central Europe. He drove British troops from the continent and perhaps... The Spear of Destiny was behind it all. When he decided to invade Russia in 1941, he named the massive 3 million troops strong invasion Operation Barbarossa, which certainly gives this theory some credence. However,
1: the only proof we have to support this theory is historian Trevor Ravencroft's book.
0: Outside of his account... All the official history says is that after Hitler conquered Austria, Nazi officials moved the spear and other valuables from the Austrian treasury to Germany.
1: And there's one big reason to doubt Ravencroft's writings. It's based on an old interview with Dr. Walter Stein, who claimed to have been friendly with Hitler. But no outside sources show that Stein ever even met Hitler. And Dr. Stein died in 1957 nearly 20 years before Ravenscroft sat down to write his book.
0: Ravenscroft believed in transcendental meditation. He wrote this book after supposedly talking to Dr. Stein while in a trance. Needless to say, the book isn't taken seriously in academic circles.
1: All things considered, this book has to be treated as an urban legend at best.
0: And we can confirm that Hitler spent the 1930s itching to add Austria to his empire, but his motivations might not have been spear-related.
1: Like his Austrian countrymen, Hitler believed in a mystical German folk spirit that had been fractured by the Treaty of Versailles. He was obsessed with annexing Austria, if only to unify the German people.
0: It's also worth asking if Hitler really did believe in the spear's power. Why did he store it in Nuremberg, hundreds of miles from the German capital city of Berlin, instead of keeping it close at hand?
1: There's one other part of this theory that doesn't make sense. Hitler supposedly seized the Spear on March 12th. The Feast of St. Longinus, the Spear's original owner, was just three days later on March 15th.
0: Knowing Hitler's love of symbolism, the occult, and anything supernatural, it feels like he would have waited three short days to really bring the story full circle. It seems more likely
1: that the spear was just one of more than 650,000 pieces of art that the Nazis looted during this time.
0: I'd give this theory a 3 out of 10. It's plausible but unlikely. He might have known the legend of the Spear of Destiny, but it probably wasn't the only reason he invaded Austria. Rather, it was a bonus to own the spear that once belonged to the greatest conquerors on Earth.
1: Or did it? We'll return to our story in just a moment. Now, back to the story.
0: Legends of the Spear of Destiny date back thousands of years, beginning with the crucifixion of Jesus. Many believe that the spear currently residing in Vienna is that spear, passed down from Longinus to Constantine to Charlemagne, all the way to Adolf Hitler.
1: Which brings us to conspiracy theory number three. The spear in the treasury of Vienna is the actual holy relic that pierced the flesh of Christ.
0: According to legend, a Roman soldier named Longinus pierced Jesus in the side with a simple spear called a pila. It would have had a wooden shaft about six feet long. The spearhead would have been iron, about seven inches long, and winged.
1: About 250 years after Longinus, in 312 CE, the Roman emperor Constantine used a spear to defeat his pagan enemies and establish the first Christian empire. But it wasn't until years later that legends began to pop up, linking Constantine's spear with the one carried by
0: Longinus. And after the 4th century CE, tracking the spear gets incredibly hard— It might have been looted by German tribesmen during the fall of Rome or moved to a Swiss church. It didn't reappear in
1: historical records until the 8th century. Murals painted during Emperor Charlemagne's reign show him receiving a spear from St. Peter.
0: From there, the spear seems to have stayed in Holy Roman hands, becoming part of the imperial regalia alongside the crown, scepter, and orb of the emperor.
1: At some point, though historians aren't sure when, a nail, supposedly from the crucifixion, was hammered into the blade to amplify its holiness.
0: The blade in Vienna is pierced by a nail. It's also winged, as Longinus's spearhead would have been. But there's a problem. The blade in Vienna is 20 inches long, which would have been incredibly uncommon for the time.
1: Iron was expensive, so spearheads were generally kept small. Remember, the spear didn't become special until after it pierced Jesus' side. Until that point, it was just a standard-issue weapon. There would be no reason for the blade to be larger than normal.
0: And the spearhead's length isn't the only problem with it. In 2003, Robert Feather, a British metallurgist or an expert in metal sciences, examined the spear to determine its age. Using a series of x-ray and fluorescence tests, he was able to get a good look at the metal under the mineral buildup. It was clear to him that the weapon only dated back to roughly the 7th century.
1: Which was long after Constantine and Jesus. The spear could have belonged to Charlemagne, but there's no way Constantine or Longinus ever touched it.
0: But just because the blade never pierced Jesus, that doesn't mean there aren't any holy relics in the spear. Dr. Feather also investigated the iron nail wedged into the blade, supposedly from Jesus's crucifixion.
1: While Feather couldn't definitely date the iron nail, He did say that it was consistent in length and shape with Roman nails from the first century.
0: So, even if the spearhead wasn't from the time of Jesus, the nail may have been. It's just speculation, but Dr. Feather suggests the spear might have been a replica made in the 7th century to look like the spear of destiny, and a nail from the crucifixion could have been hammered into it to make the replica a holy relic.
1: Or it's just a spear with any old nail in it. Either way, it's definitely not the spear of destiny. But interestingly, there's a second spear that some claim is the real holy lance. And this spear has an even longer history than the one in Vienna.
0: The 7th century historical text... Chronicon Paschale states that Longinus left his spear in Jerusalem in the first century. After staying in Jerusalem
1: for a few centuries, the spear was sent to Constantinople in 615 CE. It was placed in the massive Hagia Sophia
0: Cathedral, where it stayed until the Renaissance. According to historian Ludwig von Pastor's book, History of the Popes, the Turkish sultan Bayezid II sent it to Pope Innocent VIII in 1489 CE. However, priest and chronicler Johann Burchard claims that the Vatican
1: didn't believe it was the Spear of Destiny. Rather, they thought it was a well-intentioned forgery. They accepted the gift and placed it in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, where it remains to this day.
0: The spear isn't on display, but drawings made by those who have seen it show a simple blade without a shaft broken at the tip. However, there are no wings on the blade, as there would have been in the first century. It doesn't look Roman.
1: This might be why the Vatican doesn't believe their blade is the Spear of Destiny. If scientists could carbon-date the spear, they might be able to prove its age— but the Vatican doesn't want anyone to handle the spear in the interest of keeping the artifact safe.
0: If the Catholic Church believed they possessed the spear that pierced Jesus Christ, they would certainly want to know. I think it's safe to say that this isn't the spear either.
1: But to make things even more complicated, there's a third contender to consider. The Armenian Church claims to know exactly what happened to Longinus'
0: spear. In the first century, not long after Jesus' death, Saint Thaddeus, one of the original apostles, went on a religious mission to Armenia. He brought multiple holy relics with him, including Longinus' spear. The
1: spear was supposedly hidden in a cave for more than a thousand years until devout Christians were said to have found it.
0: This third spear is an imposing object, a large diamond-shaped blade with a Greek cross cut through the center. But while it's beautiful, it's far too ornate to be Longinus's blade. Regardless, the story took hold. The Armenian church believed that St. Peter, founder of the church, personally gave Thaddeus the spear to help him gain new converts. In the 12th century, religious
1: Armenians built a monastery to keep the spear safe. They built it deep in the mountains of eastern Armenia, cut into the side of a cliff. They named it Gegart, or Kegart Avak, meaning Lance Monastery. It became a popular destination for pilgrims.
0: The lance was moved around over the years, but in the early 19th century, it was placed in the Etchmiadzin Cathedral, where it's remained ever since.
1: These three spears, the Armenian, the Viennese, and the Vatican Lance, can't all be the spear of destiny.
0: And, honestly, none of them match the description. All three blades are either too large or too ornate to be the original spearhead. And even though the spear in Vienna is pierced with what looks like a first century nail, the spearhead itself only dates back to the 7th century.
1: I'm going to have to give this theory a 1 out of 10. Yes, the nail may have been present at the crucifixion, but the spear certainly wasn't.
0: That all said, the illegitimacy of the spear in Vienna doesn't necessarily contradict its placebo effect, as we discussed in theory number one. So who knows, maybe it really does have a little magic.
1: Interestingly, there is currently a legal owner of the Holy Lance, the nation of Austria. When the Holy Roman Empire was dissolved in 1806 by Emperor Franz II, he gave up the rights to his imperial possessions.
0: As a parting gift, he sent the spear to the Austrian capital of Vienna, where it remained until Hitler stole it in 1938. But once the spear was
1: returned to Austria in 1946, the country experienced a chapter of long-awaited peace. During the Cold War, Austria was an officially neutral country, sandwiched between the Western powers and Eastern
0: Europe. Despite being in the center of two competing empires, Austria thrived. And if the current state of things is any indication the beautiful Alp-laced country will continue to enjoy uninterrupted peace for years to come.
1: Just so long as they never lose that spear.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify.
1: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite Parcast Originals, like Conspiracy Theories, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
0: To stream Conspiracy Theories on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Conspiracy Theories in the search bar.
1: Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story.
0: And the official story isn't always the truth.
1: Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by David Burgess, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy.